I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note, viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. Somebody has her and they're not safe. Like, I want them back now. Scott, how you doing? How's it going? So this was the only vehicle she would have? She wasn't here. The kids weren't here. Nobody was here. I figured she was just busy. But when her friend showed up, that's what it was like. It it registered like, all right, this isn't right. Tonight, police issued a missing endangered alert for Shannon Watts and her two daughters. Her husband says she's been missing since Monday morning. I was hoping that I would just get just ran over by the kids running in the door and just like barrel rushing me. But it didn't happen. And it was just a traumatic night trying to be here. Now, they had canine units here surveying the area and trying to get any scent of the woman or her daughters. But we spoke with the husband, Christopher, who says no one has heard from her. And that's what really concerned a lot of people is like, she's not getting back to her. Like, if she doesn't get back to me, that's fine. Like, she gets busy during the day. But she didn't get back to her people, which was very concerning. And Nicole called me when she was at the door. And that's when I came home. I just want them back. No. Um, he did not pass the polygraph test. Okay. Okay. So now we need to talk about what actually happened. I feel like you're probably ready to do that. Tonight, we have learned from two law enforcement sources who are close to the investigation. They tell me that this husband has confessed to killing his family and he is now detained. We have also learned some other information here. Law enforcement believes they know where the bodies are buried and they are in the process right now of trying to recover those bodies. Okay, was it hard to get them in there? Did you have to push or anything or? Did they drop down? Could you hear them drop? Like, did you like dropped away? No. No. One seemed emptier than the other. Which one do you think? To the left one. I mean, did it sound like she was going to hit the bottom kind of thing? Or did you hear her hit like one? 
There's no chance that you put them in there when they're still alive, no, God, is there? No, 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 God, no, God, no. Okay. Shanann, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just, just, just come back. Like, if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I need to see everybody. I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete with without anybody here. Please bring her back. Murderer podcast episode number six of series five. I'm Tom Norris and I'm joined by producer Dan. Oh, hello, everybody. How are you, producer Dan? Yeah, very good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. And also, we're joined by Ben Carter. Hello. Hello. Are you all right? Ben. Hello. Hi. You all right? How are you doing, Dan? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, good, Tom. Yeah, I'm not too feeling, bad. Feeling fine? Feeling fine. Mm. This week's case is a very divisive one for a multitude of reasons, but. This case, this particular case, came second in our Halloween vote last year. A lot of people unhappy that it didn't win. A lot of people happy that it didn't win. A lot of people unhappy that we're covering this case because everyone's done it, they're saying. Everyone's done it. It was one that got a lot of coverage. It got a lot of online, a lot of coverage as well. There's lots of documentaries about it, lots of podcasts about it, but... It is still, you can't deny it, it is still a very much a fascinating case. Definitely. Um, researching this, there's lots that I found out which I didn't know and I had watched documentaries previously about it. So it, we're excited to jump into this and tell you guys all about it. Yeah, and there's no case that we've covered so far that nobody has ever covered. So I feel like we're on, in pretty safe grounds right now. I think it'd be a bit weird if we had done that. Well, exactly. Anyway, this big news, Ben. The the second that, well, first of all, I hope everyone enjoyed the Randy Stair and Eileen Wernos episodes. We're filming this at the time that Randy Stair has just come out. Eileen not out yet but we hope we hope you enjoyed both of them a lot of messages about my big news that Mm. you put me on the spot for the other week I'm thrilled to announce that I will be appearing at Shelford car boot sale next Sunday fuck off really yeah me too are you there yeah what are you flogging guys doesn't matter t-shirts doesn't concern you jumpers mugs posters stickers badges that sounds a lot like what we get in our merch store ben oh it very well is tom and why not head over to icmap.store for a good set of nookie knackers nicky knackers i don't know what you call them but i fucking love it (laughs) okay mate there you go just calm down and if you're searching the web why not go to gullygarms.com and use our code murder20 to get some money off they've been dressing us this season Uh, i was just saying i look like a bad guy in a football film Ben looks like he could be on the pitch in the football film. Thank you very much. You're just more like a ball boy. Maybe yeah. you got an injury quite young and you just... Kit man. <laughs> or poo stick, shit man. Um, who wow. knows? Harold shit man. Oh, God. Oh, they all come through. Too many to say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Gully Garms have dressed us, so thank you very much to them. So before we continue, we want to say a huge thank you to our sponsor, Manscaped. Now, Ben, spring has sprung. It's time to do some spring cleaning in those nether regions of yours. That's right, Tom. It's time to get rid of that winter bush and join 4 million other men in using Manscaped. Yes, and the Performance Package 4.0 is out to change the game yet again. So inside this ball care bundle, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0. You might have heard us talk about this before. From personal experience, Tom, I feel like I'm walking on cloud number nine. Ball first, (laughs) rolling down cloud number nine. um, And imagine... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Space hopper. 
So inside this ball care bundle, you will find the notorious Lawnmower 4.0, otherwise known in my house as the Pube Assassin. Who are, you talking, who are you talking to it's about? myself, yeah. Echo. <laughs> Where's the pube assassin? Oh, there he is. But it doesn't nip you, Ben, and that's the thing. It also has a weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, Ben. That's so right. You're a bit bushy there in your ears. I don't know you couldn't hear very well, so we got it out. Got dug in there deep. <laughs> yeah. Didn't find a lot, but we found lots of hair, and now it's no longer there. Yeah, so, uh, perfect. Perfect. So if you purchase now, you will receive two free gifts, the performance boxer briefs, which are undoubtedly the most comfortable boxers I've ever worn. As well as that, you will also receive the shed travel bag. Take a look at this bad boy. Oh, it's covered in crap. Has it been in your house? A bit dusty. Very dusty. Yeah. Yeah, nobody likes ear hair. Nobody likes nose hair. Nobody likes down there hair. And that's what you can get rid of with Manscaped, the performance package. Well, yeah, I think I can put ball down there. You could just make it in a fun shape. You can, you can do that as well. Yeah, there's no rules to what you can and can't do. That's Easter the, bunny you can make? Yeah. Um, Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get 20% off and free shipping, go to manscaped.com and use our code ICMAP. Your balls will never thank you enough. Smell and feel good this spring, Ben. Okay? Just let them out. Mm-hmm. Let them breathe a bit. Yeah. And by using our code at Manscaped, you are also supporting our channel, which we very, very much appreciate. Now, back to the case. And this week's case, it's Chris Watts, The American Nightmare. So Ben, what were your thoughts about doing this case? Because we saw it obviously come second and we tend to, you know, we listen to what you guys want. There was a lot of comments saying, why haven't you guys done this? What were your thoughts about doing this case? I've, I've been keen since series one to cover this case, but the more time that's passed since then, obviously the more other documentaries that have come out about it, podcasts that have come out about it, which is great. It's, it's all it's all good content. But still, yeah, there was stuff in doing the research for this case that was shocking. Yeah. On JCS, a great YouTube channel, yeah. they covered this and that's probably I think the first episode I watched over there. Very interesting interrogation footage, police body cam footage, which mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a case where that evidence was so valuable, the body cam footage. Yeah. Very, very fascinating. We're gonna obviously gonna get into all of that as we go through the case. One thing that didn't did annoy me about the Netflix documentary, because there's lots of text messages within this. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot of things with the text messages where she was typing something and then deleting bits and typing it again. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I didn't like it's just like okay. How did you know? They're trying to make it more lifelike. It's just like, it grated me every time. But things do get on my nerves quite easily. Anyway, before we get into... T- we you doing? Sorry? Scar me down, he sounded agitated. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so before we continue, we've got something a little bit different today. We've got two special guests, Mick and Tell from Dead Happy Life Insurance. Welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Can I just clarify that I'm in no way associated with Dead Happy? Yeah, Tell's not really a fan, but I'm here representing Dead Happy today. Okay, so why are you here, Tell? Well, I just gave him a lift, so I'm supporting my friend, but not the weirdo company that, quite frankly, I feel you're becoming more and more unhealthily obsessed with, Michael. I'm not obsessed, Tell. I just think they've got a good no-nonsense approach that can help people get their lives insured, that's all. So what are Dead Happy doing differently in the life insurance world, Mick? Well, they've completely redesigned the entire process to make it really easy and really cheap. It's all online, so there's no paperwork, and unlike a lot of other companies, they've reduced the questions they ask to just four basic ones. So, when I did it, 
It took me about three minutes to get my life insured, which is pretty amazing, really. I would say that it does tend to appeal to weirdos quite a bit. What? Like these two, especially you, mate, in your ironic 1980s nonce outfit. You'd probably be well into it. No offence. None taken, mate. So Dead Happy have got a special offer for I Could Murder a Podcast viewers, have they? Yes, absolutely. When you go to sign up at deadhappy.com, just enter the promotion code MURDER and you'll get your first three months cover for free. Where are the biscuits? Hey, in the car you said there'd be biscuits. Don't worry about the biscuits. Thanks for stopping by, guys. That's Mick and Tell from Dead Happy. We're not from Dead Happy. Okay, yeah, whatever. As Mick said, go to deadhappy.com and use our code MURDER for three months free life insurance. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks, Tom and Ben. It's been a pleasure. Speak for yourself, Michael. So, yeah, that was a bit different. Thanks to Mick and Tell for swinging by from Dead Happy. Nice uh, guys. Yeah, interesting. I enjoyed it. Yeah, interesting, guys. Should we... Should we Dive into the case now, Ben. Let's do it. Christopher Lee Watts was born on the 16th of May, 1985, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. His parents were Cindy and Ronnie Watts. Cindy was a secretary for a used car dealership, and his father, Ronnie, was a parts manager for a Ford dealership. So very motor-orientated family. Yeah, we could have a brother, Alan. <laughs> car. Yeah. And he grew up with his older sister, Jamie. Not Jimmy. Car. Uh, Next sister, isn't it? Jamie Lynn. Yeah. was his older sister, yeah. So there isn't a ton of information available online about the early life of Chris Watts, but what we have been able to find is kind of, it paints the picture of a very normal, very idyllic family upbringing, which is unusual for the cases we've covered so well, far. Well, usually in these cases, if there's lots about the childhood, they're linking that to kind of what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And obviously with Chris Watts still being alive and being, you know, he's had lots, plenty of interviews with police, they haven't thought of anything that's become, you know, relevant enough for them to kind of report in, in that sense. It, it kind of hints that, yeah, a very normal childhood. Definitely. So we'll go on to talk about that a little bit and then we'll go on to him meeting Shanann. There is still some information that I still find quite interesting about the childhood, but it's not anything compared to, let's say, last week's case, Eileen Wernos, which was just, yeah, one of the one of the darkest we've covered so far. So we'll start with this then. Chris Watts, as a youngster, was given the nickname Rain Man, and that was down to the fact that he had an extremely strong memory. If he did something once or learned something once, he would instantly remember it, and this is a nickname that would remain with him for a large part of his life. Have you seen the film Rain Man? Haven't. Or I saw it and I forgot. I don't. Yeah, you probably need to know the film to make a joke about it. Yeah. But, um, you could count cards. Did they take him to a casino? Yeah. He didn't work at Clinton's. Oh, we got, we're out of stock. Um, no, yeah. you're not. I counted them. Rain Man. No. Well, some. Some, <laughs> something. So Chris was particularly close to his grandmother and he'd often go over there after school. She'd often quiz him on states and state capitals and he would never get them wrong. And that kind of underlining the Rain Man kind of memory there and be able to store knowledge. I think he was close enough to his grand to be known as a nan kid, which is definitely a thing when people grow up with the nans. And maybe they get into like cooking pies yeah. at a young age and maybe can fix a hole in the elbow of a shirt. He wasn't that kind of nan kid. He's just a, a kid that loved his nan. So the Watts fam- family dynamic was, was very happy and healthy. There was never family fights or arguments. The parents would get on well and he would go on with his sister despite the seven year age gap. Chris was incredibly close with his father. We'll get into that later on. His father does come into kind of the picture quite a lot later on. And he, they regarded each other as their best friends. Chris and his father would often go to sporting events together. They'd go to NASCAR. They'd go to basketball baseball it says football i imagine it's not soccer ben so nfl hey eh? oh yeah football he, he chris soccer. looks like your classic american guy doesn't he all american kid yeah yeah there's appears to be no red flags around this point it's just very much um 
your typical American guy. So the Watts family would regularly attend their local First Baptist Church. He was said to be a very quiet member of the family, whereas his sister Jamie was much more outgoing, much more popular at school as well. Also contrasting to Chris, Jamie had a bit more of a rebellious streak in her, so she would often clash with her parents about what she would and would not wear out, whereas Chris was very quiet, kept to himself, stayed out of trouble, was avoiding confrontation at all times. So on the whole, Chris was a very well-behaved child. He did very well at school, but he'd often try and fly under the radar. He didn't want to be the, you know, known for being too smart in the class, but he was very book smart. And from a young age at 13, he actually, he, this is a very odd claim and a thing to kind of boast about. He, but he believed himself to be such a good liar mm. that he actually convinced the teacher that he spent the whole summer in China. Yeah, this was the one thing I thought, if there was any kind of warning... Sign. It's not like a complete red flag, but mm. maybe something in the bit in the dirt and you rubbed it, go, Oh, that's red. It's not enough for me to know it's a flag. Yeah. Leave it in the rain, it could grow and become oh little red flag. Yeah. Billy Talent. So yeah, Chris was very, very quiet, safe in his own skin, liked his own company. His, his mother would actually refer to him as the perfect teenager. He was so well behaved. Obviously didn't know about the lying. Mm. Maybe he had a few lie-ins, <laughs> but uh, you can't hold that against him. He's a growing lad. She would also say that Chris never got involved in alcohol, drugs or violence. The one thing that he did get involved with was his toolbox. So as a teenager, he purchased a toolbox. Every week when he'd get a bit of pocket money, he'd populate the toolbox with different gadgets and tools. How do you sound... You make everything sound so alien. Really? Populate a toolbox with yes. gadgets and tools. Yes. That's never been said by anyone as a sentence. I think that's kind of mechanic speak. Is it? Yeah. Oh, you can't go What's in your toolbox there, mate? Gadgets and tools, is it? <laughs> sound like uh, super hands, <laughs> a little bit. I think you sound like a bit like Ian Beale trying to talk to Phil. <laughs> So anyway, Chris has his toolbox. He's got some tools. He's still populating that further, but he's got very clear, very, very clear aspirations of becoming a mechanic. His spirit level is mm. bubbles in the middle. Yeah. So Chris was considered slightly socially awkward. As you said, he's quite quiet. He likes to fly, fly under the radar, but he's very comfortable within his own skin. And his sister would frequently move across America, but she'd always, always return to the family home. But Chris was a bit of a home bird. He liked staying at home, like the home comforts. I mean, it sounds like he had a great relationship with his dad. And as his mum called him the perfect teenager, I'm sure they, you know, very much support him with the mechanics as well. Yeah. So, um, Fan and Nana's cooking. Fan and Nana's cooking. Yep. Yeah. She didn't live in the house, did she? No, but he'd like to stay close to home. She was just a, a couple of blocks away. I read that she lived... No, you didn't. What? I'm sure you didn't read this. I did read this. I don't know. I've, I've seen did. you read and you it seen wasn't this. Okay, so, yeah. So he liked his Nan's cooking. He, he loved it. He loved his Nan's rice pudding. So Chris would finally leave home and it was a hard decision because, as we said, he was very comfortable there. He was best friends with his dad. And when he did live home, this you could argue this was related or wasn't related. His dad started to develop a cocaine habit and also went for a brief battle with alcoholism. Chris's mother and sister were aware of this and it was kept from Chris for a long period of time. The Watts family and secret seemed to be a, th a long-going theme. The pair would never openly discuss this with Chris claiming he knows very little about alcohol and drugs. Yeah, so that's a really interesting situation perhaps they saw it as you know because chris and his dad were so close and if if it was good enough for his dad to do perhaps they wouldn't want him to do that and as well he probably looked up to his dad so they didn't want to kind of ruin that relationship by, mm. by bringing all this up so chris claimed that his dad was a disciplinarian but purely in the verbal sense and that if he or his sister jamie misbehaved they would be kind of shouted out or berated and that was enough to put them back in line so it was never physically abusive never emotionally neglectful of, of the children it was a very stable household well parents have that thing where they just, can you just give you a look or yeah. You know, especially if they're, he's quite friendly with him, if they give a stern word, that can often be enough to, you know, you cross that line there. You've got one of those looks. It's kind of been watered down because I do it a lot now. 
I didn't used to do it as much. Why did you do it last now? Uh, how long have you got? <laughs> Five series worth of, um, yeah. you know. Well, <laughs> you know. I don't know. We're here now, though, so come on. Exhausting. For both of us, for all three of us. Uh, two of us are. Yeah, well. Really? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You have got one of those looks. I have got one of those looks because some people say things that make me go, what are you on about? And then I pull a face. Wow. So as, as we mentioned, very, very smart, very, very motivated. Chris did graduate from high school getting a diploma. And he was voted most likely to succeed by his peers. He also got a perfect attendance score, which is two stars in the yearbook on your name of your list of people. You two stars if it's perfect. So if you're the dweeb, you get two stars. Pretty so much, yeah. Noted. You got three. <laughs> Chris also made the director's honours list as well as received a nomination to the Alpha Beta Kappa Honour Society. So yeah, he was a very motivated student, very successful student as well. And when he put his kind of attention and efforts to, to one set task, he could achieve outstanding results. His roommates all said that Chris would stay in studying when they all went out drinking and partying. His college roommate said that Chris only ever attended one house party which in fact was to mark the very end of term. Interesting. Unless you went out of a really big drinking session that night to make up for the full year. Even then, that's dangerous. Yeah, it would be very dangerous. We wouldn't yeah. recommend that. But yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, if you don't drink, you can, you can understand not being attracted to going to parties. And who knows, maybe it was a particularly rowdy bunch. And he's like, yeah. Or maybe he just was very focused on his education. Yeah, they also mentioned he didn't like, because he was a little bit socially awkward, he didn't like big crowds and big groups of people mm. as well. So he would just, if he ever did go out drinking with them, it'd be very small. Small groups that he was with. Small crowds. So Chris then got into NASCAR Technical Institute for further education, and this led to his desire to become a mechanic. Chris took a job as tech support at a local Ford dealership until he graduated with honours from the NASCAR Tech Programme. As we discussed his childhood, there's no alarm bells, nothing to be too concerned about. He's not being bullied. We didn't see any signs of animal abuse, sexual abuse, no family troubles, a strong and stable and healthy upbringing. In a later interview, Chris would claim that he even had braces and a Jim Carrey bowl cut, but was never bullied. I struggle with carry and carry. Yeah, you said. And I got bullied for it. <laughs> not just by you guys, everyone. Did they? Yeah, family, friends, strangers. When am I going to meet these friends? <laughs> You're only kidding. He's got loads. I only went to China last summer. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Nah, fair play to you. Uh, yeah, but I guess you would say the only yeah, slight red flag, which teenagers lie occasionally so you wouldn't say as you said it's not really a red flag but it's probably the only thing you can kind of point out but very driven willing to go the extra mile to do what get what he wanted knew where he was going knew what he was going to do round and round the track but yeah it always stayed under the radar is quite the interesting thing mm. so one thing to note here is that during his his time you know studying he didn't have any kind of uh, relationships with girls he wasn't dating anyone no high school sweethearts he just studied worked hard in a male populated environment as I said, he wasn't going to parties. He had a very small number of friends, but he preferred to keep to himself. Essentially, the polar opposite to his sister in terms of because she was very much out there, going mm. traveling around, seeing people. So Chris is earning good money. He has received a good education and a long list of honors, and he's a highly skilled mechanic. So you could argue, yeah, the only thing missing in his time here was you know developing relationships or you know seeing anyone at that time. But at this stage, he does go on to meet Shanann Ruchek. So in 2010, Shanann Ruchek was in a really dark and challenging time in her life. Um, she had just left an unhappy 
long-term relationship. She had recently left a very stressful role that she'd been in for work with, I think it was for nine years that she was in this particular role as a result of moving jobs. She lost a lot of friends. So she's in a really negative spiral at the moment. And it's at this point that she receives her first friend request on Facebook from Chris Watts. And initially, she's not very impressed. She's not really into the idea of meeting strangers on social media. So she declines the friend request. A little later on, it's actually discovered that they have a mutual friend, which is a a bizarre uh, strand of mutual friends. It's Chris's cousin's wife that is a kind of a mutual friend of the pair. That individual then pipes up to Shanann saying, no, come on, you should give him a try. He's a nice guy. And so this time she decides to accept the request. So during this time, Shanann as well, she was dealing with some health issues, but she didn't really know exactly what they were. But two months later, she received a proper diagnosis and it was lupus. Producer Dan, can you tell us what lupus is, please? Yeah, lupus is a condition that affects the immune system. It can cause problems with your skin, joints, kidneys, other organs, but it can also cause um, tiredness and fatigue. Okay. So she was suffering from this at the time. When Chris kind of came in, I think, well, from interviews I've seen of her friends and family, that saying she was unsure at the time as well because she didn't really want to get into another relationship. She's kind of, you know, she wanted some, her own space. But with Chris coming in, he was very caring. And, you know, he, he understood, like, he very much took her on his, in his stride. It wasn't an issue to him. Another interesting thing to note from a documentary I watched was essentially if relationships start when someone is at the most vulnerable, the person coming in, it can be a bit of a weird power dynamic. Yeah. It's something to kind of be slightly wary of. Not everyone. Not everyone's going to be coming in with, you know, an ulterior motive. But he said that's something to note within how their relationship would carry on. Him coming in kind of being the saviour, the hero, when she was at her most, you know, our weakest. Yeah, there's lots of interesting commentary on their relationship online. Both positive and negatives about both members of the relationship, which will be interesting to go into in some more detail. So Shanann was very, very active on her social media. She posted frequently uh, to her Facebook account, documenting her life, her travels, her family and her job. And it's obviously here that she's come across and met Chris. So they basically agreed to go on a first date in which she would state that she wasn't very impressed with him. He turned up in quite casual clothing. Despite this, they agreed to go on a second date. Goes okay. They then go on a third date and she suffers a real severe migraine. And she ends up falling asleep on his lap for almost three hours. Chris didn't move, didn't flinch, just let her lay there. Mm. And it was at that moment she felt that she knew she'd met the one. Yeah, I think it's the trust thing as well. And it's quite a sweet idea. You know, he didn't want to disturb her. And it's and from what a friend said as well at this stage was, you know, they were straight away thought he was very shy. He wasn't very talkative. But if you spoke to him about sports, whatever, he could talk talk your ear off if it's something passionate about. But he had very much kind of you know, be in the background. He was very considerate about her illness as well. Like he'd always be asking if she wanted a glass of water and if she wanted to sit down and stuff. From the outside looking in, they're saying they're like the perfect couple. They didn't hear anything about arguments or fights. They were just, you know, he's looking after her and they were just, yeah, it was great to see with them first starting to go out. Yeah, and there's a really interesting quote from Shanann of the time. She said, I believe that everything in life happens for a reason, and I also believe that people are placed into our life for a reason. She's very, very happy. They've quickly formed a relationship, and just two years later, they were married in Mecklenburg County on November 3rd of 2012. Interestingly, both of Chris's parents chose not to attend the wedding. It's interesting. So yeah, they put it down to distance, but I guess if it's your best friend, his dad's best friend, and also, you know, perfect teenager, perfect son, you probably would make the effort. So on that, Cindy Watts said about not attending the wedding, she didn't go because Shanann and I just couldn't get along. I didn't like the way she treated him. From all accounts, and obviously friends and family said that they're very happy together, Yeah, but perhaps that, you know, there were other things that were behind the scenes or in front of them. You know, sometimes mums can be quite protective of their sons as well. Strangely for a victim, there are lots of kind of 
split opinions about Shanann online. So in a lot of forums, there are people saying actually the real victim was Chris and she was overbearing and uh, dominating. But it, yeah, yeah, nothing excuses obviously what he went on to do. But yeah, it's a lot of mixed uh, opinions on Shanann online. It's, it's quite an interesting divide. Both of Chris's parents chose not to attend. The little footage that is available of the wedding, it's quite an awkward... You know that, that video that went viral, like dances throughout the ages? Mm-hmm. I think they do that, her and her dad. And it's just... It doesn't look like either of them really want to be there. And Chris is kind of in the background just chewing gum. Yeah. Open mouth chewing gum, which annoyed me. Okay. If I'm on with criticising people, um, the first kiss is messy as well. Very open mouth. Mm. <laughs> I cut that as well. It's disgusting. It is, isn't it? it yeah. Horrid. Thanks, Dan, because he was. No worries. It was worth saying, wasn't it? Yeah. Probably. Thank you. Mm. Cheers. So the couple would go on to have two daughters: Bella Marie Watts, who was born on the 17th of December 2013, and Celeste Catherine, uh, also known as CC Watts, born on the 17th of July 2015. So Bella, she looks the spitting image of Chris as well. Yeah. Some footage of her in the, in, in the car. She looks the same eyes and everything like that. She's, yeah, she's absolutely spitting image of, of Chris. And yeah, they, they seem very happy. He apparently was a very good dad. And I've heard some stories from some of the friends seeing the footage of what Shannon would put on Facebook of Chris playing with the kids, kind of feeling a bit bad that they weren't as attentive to their children perhaps and, and didn't play with them as much. From the outside looking in, it seemed like the perfect family, the American dream, two kids, everything just seemed perfect really. The argument is people that post like that on social media, sometimes they're doing it for a reason yeah. to kind of... Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a mechanism and some people post things because they feel the need to kind of over hype their relationship in case they are feeling bad about it. I think the happier couples don't tend to post as much. That might be, you know, might be incorrect, but I think when people are comfortable within themselves, they don't feel the need to kind of project how they are to everyone as much. They're out there living it. Yeah. As you said, outside looking in, they look like the happiest couple ever, happiest kids, best husband, best dad. But again, that was just a social media account. So you don't know what's going on behind you closed don't. doors. You sometimes people, you think you're in different countries when they're not. Yeah. So the Watts family purchased a large five-bedroom house in Frederick, Colorado in 2013. Basically what they'd done is they went for a weekend getaway from, travelled from North Carolina to Colorado and they just fell in love with the area. Saw that a load of new builds were going up and I mean the house is, it's a nice looking house isn't it? American houses always tend to look just the one. And you always tend to get a better deal, although there's property tax in America isn't there so evens out in price let us know please and uh, north carolina is that where we saw blink 182 little wayne was supporting yeah hmm. was it good it was a very good very good, good yeah. yeah very That's good awesome. great stage show yeah. when they played aliens exist all these inflatable inflatable aliens were thrown yeah. out weirdly my phone actually came up with memory that that was around about this time yeah however many years ago and he's being modest dan uh we're actually in the vip section really yeah uh big time Go on. I don't know if you say VAP, I think you just say reserved. But, but. Yeah, we were in, yeah, and slightly better than standing seats. I wouldn't say VIP, but we were on a certain list. Ben was on another list. Let's, <laughs> let's leave it as that. But yeah, good gig, good gig. So Chris was employed as an operator by Anadarko Petroleum. So while Shanann worked from home selling a product called Thrive, which was part of the multi-level marketing company, Lavelle. I think it's very much that kind of, you see a lot on Facebook, people selling yeah. these things. And to be fair, the people that I know sell that who sell that kind of stuff, are on Facebook all the time, posting lots of videos about how drinking this this shake will change everything. Mm. Uh, it might. It won't. It won't. Good. Food. No. But this week's sponsor is <laughs> Change Your Life with One Shake. Not that shake. Um, Both were regarded as highly successful in their jobs. So Shanann via, um, would you call it a pyramid scheme? Probably. I don't know if that's fair. 
the way she performed, she was probably a couple levels below the peak of the pyramid in terms of her figures. Okay, Ben would call it a pyramid scheme. Um, so she was. I think she can call it a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Pretty good. For the people at home going, Tut and Carmoon. Better. Mm. One more. Uh, cool. Oh, that outfit's ferocious. Fero. Mm, has to ferocious. Yeah. I didn't hate that one, actually. Yeah. Um, tomb. Canopic. Back to the canopic. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the canopic at hand. So she sold a lot of Thrive Tom. She was making between 65000 business was thriving. Karen. She was making between $65,000 and $70,000 per year and had over 200 people signed up with her, including Chris. So despite from the outside, this looking like the perfect marriage, you know, in two great jobs and, you know, with the perfect house, the couple did declare bankruptcy in 2015 for almost half a million dollars. So, yeah, it, it wasn't all rosy days. And now we're going to go into the timeline of the Chris Watts case. 11th of June 2018, Shanann Watts surprises Chris Watts with the news that they're expecting a third baby. In a video uploaded to her Facebook, Shanann wears a shirt that says, Oops, we did it again and shows Chris a pregnancy test. This bit is a very fascinating watch. Um, we'll pop it up now. We did it again. <laughs> I like that shirt. Really? Really. So pink means... That's just the test. I know. It just says the pink is going to be girls. I don't know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just the test. That's awesome. And I have not experienced my wife telling me that she's going to have a baby, but I imagine I'll be full, more, full of more beans than that. Yeah. He seems very like, oh, this is great news. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that shirt. I like that shirt. And then he's like, oh, does, oh, does the pink mean it's going to be a girl? That's when he's especially unhappy. Her mood changes quite yeah, quickly as well, which I noted. Like, she goes, really, like, no, it doesn't mean that. I don't know if she's annoyed because he's not, she's sensing that he's not happy. Yeah. Who it's knows? an interesting dynamic because there's that other video where Chris Watts is dressed up as Father Christmas, Santa. She's incredibly agitated when she answers the do opens the door to see Santa and she says, where's your phone, Santa? She loses her temper very quickly because he hasn't got his phone on him so she can record on both phones. Santa's here, but the kids are freaking out. Hey, Santa, where's your phone? In the garage. I wanted it. Oh, 
as we said before, like trying to betray the happy family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, don't upload that bit. Yeah, cut, cut it, trim it. Yeah, when she's like, oops, I did it again. Oh, I like that shirt. Cut there. Yeah. Don't do. Don't keep in the bit what she's like. Yeah, it's fascinating. So the 17th of June, 2018, Shanann posts a Father's Day message to Chris on Facebook. Chris, we are so incredibly blessed to have you. You do so much every day for us and take such great care of us. You are the reason I was brave enough to agree to a number three. From laundry to kid showers, you are incredible and we are so lucky to have you in our life. Happy Father's Day. Laundry to kid showers. This guy can do it all. Apparently oh. so. June 2018, Shannon and her daughters, Celeste and Bella, fly from Colorado to North Carolina in order to spend six weeks with their family. Shannon and Chris were both originally from North Carolina, so both of their families still lived there. Chris, however, stays behind in Colorado. While Shannon and the daughters are away, Chris begins talking to Nicole Kessinger, who works in Anadarko Petroleum's environmental department, where Chris also works. Chris initiates a conversation by stopping by Nicole's office. He reportedly tells her that he has two daughters but is in the latter stages of separating from his wife. The 20th of June 2018, Chris misses the baby's first ultrasound. 4th of July 2018, Nicole visits the Watts home for the first time to help Chris set up his diet slash exercise goals. Nicole claims that on this day, she and Chris set up his exercise goals at lunch and then left. However, Chris remembers it slightly differently, claiming that he woke up at Nicole's home on the morning of July 4th to several missed calls from his wife. So it's quite a quite a difference there in terms yeah. of remembering it. I don't know why Chris would lie about it, making himself seem worse. Big day in America as well, so maybe... Is it Independence Day? Yeah. So did they do an Independence Day making a diet plan, or was it Chris's, you know, woke up late, it was July 4th, my wife was calling me like crazy. I don't know. That's what I was saying. It could be... July 4th. He was after his independence again. He said he told Nicole he needed to go home in case his wife called back, and that got Nicole mad. She started to realise that perhaps she was the other person in this relationship, and that he always would put Shanann first. So later that month, while Shanann and all the girls were still out of town, he tells Nicole the divorce is final. July 14th, 2018, Chris and Nicole go on a date to Shelby American Collection Car Museum. That afternoon, Shanann makes four calls to her husband, all of which went unanswered. July 15th, 2018, this was Celeste's birthday, and they had a family birthday party for her in North Carolina. Chris's family, however, does not show up. During this month, Nicole, who is becoming a bit more uneasy about the fact that he's still engaging with his wife, interacting with the family, she starts to perform some various Google searches that are quite interesting. So first she searches for, man I'm having affair with says he will leave his wife. Which is a very specific... It is. I guess I guess what we're hoping for that is 80% of men who say this do in fact leave their wife. That's what she wanted to hear. Some comfort, yeah. But I'm sure that's not what came up. And Chris was searching as well at this time, when to say I love you and when to say I love you for the first time in a new relationship, which surely is a case-by-case basis. Yeah. But yeah. I love you. Oh. Awkward. Um, who ben? are you? Who was he? Bella, like you take this one, Ben. <laughs> Uh, you're a great guy. Oh. The 28th of July, 2018, Chris and Nicole visit the Great Sand Dunes National Park and spend the night at a nearby campground. Uh, They're going on a lot of Alan Partridge-style dates. I know a cracking owl sanctuary. In a fun kind of way, Alan Partridge dates. A car museum, but he's always a mechanic who's into cars. Mm. I know what you mean. A car! There's also a video from this where Nicole records it. Is it on, is it on his phone or her phone? I think it's on hers, but I... Yeah, just a little message to to Chris kind of saying how much she's enjoying her time with him and things like that. Thank you so much for coming out here with me, Christopher. I'm having a wonderful time. You mean a lot to me. 
and I'm glad that you're having a blast. I am so out of breath. <laughs> Nicole is, again, a very polarizing figure, depending on what you believe. From that video, I get the idea that it genuinely is all quite innocent. She thinks that he is leaving um, Shannon, and, you know, she's very excited about this new relationship. They are trapping around together. It's very exciting. It's very new. You know, you would say the honeymoon period. But then we'll go into later on why people have a slightly different opinion on her as well. It's too late to say it, but the honey June period, because they're on a, 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 a park of dunes. I think, we could, I think we would all give a firm nod to that. Okay. <laughs> so the 30th of July 2018, Chris gives Nicole a love note before joining his family on vacation. The inside of the letter contains lyrics to the song Down to Earth by the band Through the Roots. Yeah, now the interesting part about this is instead of organically coming up with a love letter for her, he googled it. How to write a love note. How to write a love note. It's quite interesting. There's still, I don't know if he got this from extracting it from Google, there are still some kind of, he got your and your spelt. Got them the wrong way around. It's an interesting one. You can tell it's come from the heart of a mechanic. Can you read it to us, Ben? Maybe you can hone in on your inner mechanic, you know how you populate your toolbox with the, the gadgets and the bits and bobs. So there's some print that he's underlined certain words of. The print, which I assume was already in the card, and then he's got done some handwritten below. So it says that simply take your breath away. And he's, oh, this is horrible, actually, in hindsight. Underlined, take your breath away. Have a wonderful birthday, as wonderful as you are. Then we get onto the handwritten Googled stuff. This sums up you. Big things will happen this year. Dreams will come true. That smile, that stare, that laugh, that giggle gets me every time. You are truly an amazing, inspirational, and electric woman that takes my breath away every time I see you. You are wonderful. Don't ever stop being you. Happy birthday, Chris. Oh, you turn the page, it goes a slightly different colour. He calls her Nikki. A nod, a grin, a cuddle, a hug. A sigh, a hum, a nuzzle, a tug. A world, a wish, a whisper, a toast. Love in the little things matters the most. You keep my engine roaring when you're pushing on the pedal. I can't resist the feel you put me on another level. You bring me right back down to earth. Thanks for every one of them. Love, Chris. I don't feel very good about saying any of that stuff. No. 31st of July 2018. Chris flies to North Carolina to join his family for the last week of their vacation and deletes Nicole's contact information from his phone. So obviously they've already been away for five weeks and he wasn't able to join them. He blamed it on work. During this time, Shanann texts a friend to say that there is trouble in her marriage. Further messages also show that there was tension between Shanann and Chris's parents. So obviously Chris's parents hadn't attended Cece's birthday. There'd been a number of calls and texts whilst Chris wasn't with them on the family that he just left unresponded. There's some very detailed exchanges between the two in terms of their marriage being on the rocks and then Shanann being incredibly unhappy, feeling that he isn't meeting her halfway. We're going to talk about a few of the text messages later on, but it's, yeah, it's the relationship is on very rocky ground at this stage. And obviously Chris is now falling head over heels and Googling poetry for Nicole. So obviously during the first five weeks that Shanann and the girls had been away, Chris is obviously spending an increased amount of time with Nicole. And he's getting a little bit more complacent with where he's comfortable in being seen with her, I guess, rather than going to national parks, big museums. So they end up going on a number of dates and they actually go out for food at a restaurant called The Rusty Bucket. And it's at this point, Chris had been paying for all these dates with various vouchers that he had got from work. It's at this point that that kind of slips his mind and he ends up paying for, I think it's around $60 for a meal at The Rusty Bucket 
with Nicole. Immediately, Shanann notices the charge of $60. She's very inquisitive about how have you spent $60 mm. by, by yourself at this restaurant. She asks him to send a photo of the restaurant menu over to her, and he says, oh, I just had salmon and a beer. Um, yeah, there's also, I mean, at this time, as you said, uh, Shanann's starting to think, is there something wrong in the relationship? She's already noticed, obviously, the reaction to the, the third pregnancy. Chris hasn't been as attentive as he was. He used to always be very, like, on the phone to each other a lot when she's traveling or away or he would be checking on seeing how they were doing and whilst the family were away on the holiday he was quite distant he wasn't making much effort yeah. and of course you know at that stage she's pregnant as well so he's not checking in just to see how she is and yeah. how's the baby or, you know if you're feeling more than sickness and these kind of things he's been very kind of numb and very distant and like we said at the very beginning of their relationship chris was very doting he was you know as yeah. i said you know you, you need to have a drink very attentive and very involved so she's starting to smell a bit of a rat here and like you know she might think herself she'd be a bit paranoid about things but i mean she, she had every right to be well as well his journey from when they first got married to him at that stage he completely changed his appearance so he's quite uh, he was a little bit overweight at the wedding but then he he'd spent a lot of his time just running and working out got into really quite a serious fitness regimes but the transition between chris when he was just married to shanann to then Chris that's now got this confidence and maybe yeah. maybe it is that he feels he's got suddenly he looks a bit more attractive now he's looking after himself a bit more maybe he thinks that actually I don't know this could be argued that he thinks actually why have I settled for Shanann when I could get a Nicole well I think it's more of a case of he wanted that freedom again and yeah like I guess it is he felt the excitement again and the idea of Shanann came with all the not my words but you know the baggage of the children and you know he was working very hard for that relationship and as we said in some publications it's hinted at that Shanann was quite overbearing I mean it's been speculated that she was that way but yeah I think he very much saw this as a new opportunity for him you know a fresh start so to yeah. speak no, um, no girlfriends at high school no romances he didn't get that chance to be kind of young and free and single i mean with chris's job he was getting up at five in the morning most mornings but he's coming home working out and you know he wasn't seeing the children much and he wasn't being as, as the attentive father that you know shanann fell in love with so the 4th of august 2018 shanann sends chris a long text message accusing him of failing to stand up for her after his parents exposed their daughter celeste to nuts so basically celeste had allergies to nuts we already know that there's a bit icy between that, that relationship anyway but shanann kind of yeah she had to go to the parents essentially saying what are you doing but they didn't seem to think of it as a big deal as shanann did but Chris apparently was very kind of relaxed about the whole thing, didn't really jump in. There's over text messages and Chris said, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it, I'll speak to them, I'll let them know that they, they can't speak to you like that. But she didn't feel as if he was fighting her corner. Shadan also tells her friends that Chris has changed the wallpaper on his phone from a photo of the two of them to a photo of sand dunes. So, and at this stage, like we said before, there's a lot of moments where Nicole was Googling different things. And at this stage, she's starting to Google wedding dresses online for two hours. She also searches for Chris and Shanann's Facebook accounts. At this stage, apparently Chris has said that they're fully divorced at this stage. Shanann at that time being away for five weeks with, with the kids as well makes it a lot more believable yeah. uh, to Nicole as well at that time. Yeah, and Chris claims that the falling out between Shanann and his parents led to a lot of pent-up anger towards her as he felt he was driving a wedge between him and his parents. A lot of bubbling under the surface there from and from the outside, you know, people still thinking that they're this happy American dream family. So August 6, 2018, Chris tells Shanann that he doesn't want a third baby. 
She texts a friend saying, Chris told me last night he's scared to death about this third baby and he's happy with just Bella and Celeste and doesn't want another baby. He has changed. I don't know who he is. I told him last night I don't feel safe with him after what he said about the baby. So yeah, there's a lot of to and fro in this uh, particular circumstance. Obviously when he was first informed she was pregnant he wasn't overjoyed. Then he kind of got more on board with the idea of having a third child and fully committing. Then he went off. Then when he found out the possibility of the baby being a boy he was very much back on board with the plan so he's to and throwing a lot here well, i think as well I mean, it's morally he's going from oh i could just you know start fresh start new and then it's like oh but i do have this family so i think as well he's he's not 100 sure what he wants as well yeah. so he goes hot and cold a lot on the 8th of august shenan has a 4d ultrasound to find out the baby's gender which chris does attend they find out they're having a baby boy shenan claims chris is cold towards her and cancels the gender reveal party shenan reports to a friend that chris is refusing couples counseling so yeah shenan was doing everything she could to fight for this relationship she was also you know, buying him books and stuff to try and like deal with the, the, the problems they were having but yeah as we said Chris is being very numb to a lot of things which most parents would be elated to witness so the 9th of August 2018 Shanann leaves on business to Arizona after confiding to friends about her troubles with Chris she texts a friend that she and Chris had their best talk yet before she leaves on a trip she even drafts a handwritten letter to him and producer Dan will read that letter now my dearest Chris I don't know where to begin I'm so lost for words. I can't explain how much this pain hurts. The last five weeks have been so hard. I missed everything about you. I missed your morning breath, your touch, your lips against mine. I miss holding you. I missed smelling you in the sheets. I missed talking to you in person. I missed watching you laugh and play with the kids. I love seeing their smile with you. I don't want to lose you ever. I will be civil and get along with your mum. We just all need to have mutual respect. I will do anything for you. The last thing on earth I want is for you to hurt. You deserve the world and I hate seeing you hurt. It hurts me. I can't and won't lose you without fighting for us. I will always fight for our marriage and you. This is the hardest thing I have ever gone through. But you are worth it. Tell me what you need. She and Chris agree to go on a couple's getaway on the weekend of the 17th and he agrees to try counselling. She even orders Chris a couple's therapy book from Amazon and then Chris deletes his Facebook account. With, with Shanann being very active on there, I'm sure that would have been a bit odd. Yeah, I think that would have made her feel very insecure. 11th of August 2018, Chris hires a babysitter and goes out with Nicole. He tells Shanann he's going to a baseball game with co-workers but goes instead with Nicole. Nicole and Chris then discuss him getting an apartment and she reports that he is less enthusiastic about it. So he's playing hot and cold both with Shanann and Nicole here. He's unable to fully commit to her and like we said before, she's googling things like man with partner says he will leave her and all that stuff. So she's obviously as well not knowing what's going on. He's already as well quite a socially awkward guy so now ju juggling all these plates mm. spinning all these plates and juggling them he's trying to do it all and he's socially awkward nightmare August 12, 2018. Whilst Shanann is still away on business, Chris takes his daughters to a birthday party. There was a mini pool at the birthday party and he claims that his girls had an epic time. They drive back home after the party and he gives his girls a shower and puts them to bed. There's a really, really horrible moment about this particular party. So he's texting a co-worker at this time whilst the girls are in front of him that he wants to go and visit one of the most distant sites of the oil company that he worked for, knowing 
that later that night what he was going to do and where those girls were going to be. Yeah, as well. The thing is with this, it, he was doing it was on, it's on a weekend, I believe, and it was on a Sunday. He was doing it. It wasn't too out of the ordinary for Chris to be messaging co-workers at this time. He, you know, they would talk about work occasionally over the weekends. It didn't make the co-worker think well, that strange. And if anything, I think Chris was kind of offering it was a favour to the other co-worker if he went and go checked yeah. it out. It doesn't require both of them to go. So Chris was texting the co-worker in reference to the Servi Ranch oil field. He texts the words, I'm going to go straight out there from my house in the morning. And when the co-worker responded saying that he had also planned to visit the site, Chris replied joking, I can go out there though. No sense in both of us going out there. Laugh out loud. It's not even funny. It's not. So now we reach the day where the events unfold. 13th of August 2018, 1.48am. Shanann returns from her business trip. Her friend Nicole Atkinson gives her a ride home. She arrives home, goes up to bed. Obviously Chris wakes up, they actually have intercourse, and then they both roll over and go to sleep. And obviously when Shanann went away, she, she was saying how you know great the conversation was with Chris last time. She's come back, you know, some physical attention as well. So I think she's gone to bed feeling quite quite happy with the situation they're in. So around 5am, Chris wakes Shanann up as he's getting ready to go to work and wants to talk about their marriage and future. Despite Shanann carrying their unborn son, who they have already named Nico Lee, he tells her about his affair with Nicole and tells her that the marriage is over. And it's worth noting here, obviously, Chris is the only person that's witnessed this, so this is what's happening in Chris's words. Shanann tells Chris that he won't see the kids again, at which point he snaps and strangles her to death. Bella, who is four, comes in and asks what's wrong with her mum, as she sees her dad wrapping her mum's dead body in a blanket and carrying her to the truck. He puts his two daughters in the back seat and drives to serve the oil site, like he was discussed to his co-worker. He then smothers Celeste in the back seat and puts her body in an oil tank and does the same with Bella in another tank. So Chris would go on to say that out of all three of them, Bella was the one that put up the most fight. There's marks she bit her tongue and you know she tried to resist. Chris then buries his wife's body and unworn son in the ground nearby. Apparently when he arrived in the oil field, he took um, Shanann's body out of the truck to, to take it to bury it. And one of the daughters asked, what are you doing to mummy? Apparently one of the girls' last words when she was being smothered was, daddy, no. And obviously one of them had to witness the other the other daughter being smothered and you know was asking would the same thing happen to her and then he would go on to smother her as well and another detail which i found especially harrowing about this ordeal where chris would then take the bodies of the girls which were in the big oil tankers he had to carry up the ladder with it with each daughter and he forced the body through an eight inch hole so you know you can imagine how small that is forcing a small body into that he said i couldn't believe how easily it was to just let her drop through the hole and let her go I heard the splash as she hit the oil so Chris would say about um, when he um, strangled Shanann, her eyes filled with blood as she looked at me and she died. I knew she was gone when she relieved herself. Just a little warning here, obviously this whole section is very upsetting, but this particular part about Shanann and their unborn baby Nico is, is especially upsetting, so if you want to skip the section, go ahead. When Chris took Shanann's body to the shallow grave here, Doug, he threw the body face first into the hole, which actually forced her to partially give birth to Nico who obviously had passed at this stage as well. It just shows the, the absolute callous and disregard he had for the life of Shanann as well as his unborn son. When you see how he reacts afterwards as if nothing has happened and he's just done that, it's, it's, it's quite staggering. There are some conflicting statements here in terms of Chris saying he wasn't planning to, to kill his children then, and then him actually doing it because as he has said before, he knew that was the last time he was going to be tucking his babies in at night. He said I knew it was going to happen the day before and I did nothing to stop it. So he's, he has been doing some letters with pen pals yeah. from the prison, which have revealed certain things and the way he was thinking about things. So it's very conflicting because a lot of this, as we said, is this is all through Chris's eyes, Chris's words, but it makes it very, very hard reading. So Chris's original story was that he left for work early that morning between 5.15 or 5.30, admitting that he and Shanann had had an emotional conversation. 7.40am, Chris then sends a text to Shanann's phone in order to cover his tracks. 
8.25am, Chris then calls his kids' school and tells them that they won't be in. At the same time, he also asks if his children are already there. That's strange. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I know as well, there's reports that he was going to say that the kids won't be en- enrolling yeah. because they'll be leaving town or whatever as well. So it seems very muddled, his kind of backstory here. He hasn't really thought this far ahead. At 8.45, Chris also makes a phone call to Shanann's phone. And at 9.15am, Shanann misses her scheduled doctor appointment. So, yeah, he's trying to lay the evidence there. They, In fact, he's you know keeping in touch with her the whole time. At 10.10am, Chris searches for the lyrics to Battery, a Metallica song. This is one of the things when I was doing this research this time around, I hadn't heard this section. And the fact that he was searching on these lyrics on that particular day, I find incredibly unsettling so these are some of the lyrics crushing all deceivers mashing non-believers never ended potency hungry violent seeker feeding off the weaker breeding on insanity smashing through the boundaries lunacy has found me cannot stop the battery pounding out aggression turns into obsession cannot kill the battery cannot kill the family battery is found in me the fact that it has killed the family and this this was a song as well that it was Nicole got him into Metallica and whatnot and quite heavy music and if it's just a wild coincidence the whole kill the family lyric but very unnerving on the notion of it being unnerving we're just going to rewind the timeline by a couple of hours because 8am that morning shortly after he'd murdered his, his wife and his two girls Watts was actually filmed picking up a sandwich and chatting with the cashier at a local garage station Watts can be seen in the video clip wearing an orange t-shirt with sunglasses as well as a baseball cap as he takes change and puts it into his wallet before walking away from the counter he in this footage he looks very calm just like he's on a commute to work mm. casually getting some breakfast you know mere moments after he's done the most despicable acts 10 33 a.m chris searches for hotels in aspen where he was supposed to be going with shenan on a couple's getaway again still laying the kind of tracks that he's you know not to do with him his accent's yeah. normal for a smart guy he's making some silly little mistakes but that one is kind of smart yeah he just doesn't fall other things for at all um at 1 40 uh, p.m nicole atkinson that's the friend that um dropped shenan off at home grows increasingly concerned as she has not heard from shenan she also works for thrive as well and apparently you know they're very active in whatsapp groups Shanann would always be kind of checking on everyone how they're doing and also as we said before she was very active on facebook when nicole found out she missed a doctor's appointment she became very very concerned Shanann was not answering nicole's texts or calls so nicole and her son went round to the watch residence to kind of investigate and see if they could see anything or see if maybe she was asleep. They obviously knew about you know, some illnesses she had as well, just wanted to make sure she was okay. Apparently on the trip she wasn't eating much and they wanted to make sure that you know, this wasn't an illness that was keeping her from replying. They saw Shanann's car in the garage and the car still had the child seats in it. She did know um, the code to the door because it was one of those coded doors. She put the code in, but it was locked from the inside, which again was if she was to leave the house. Basically, it was quite a complicated yeah. way. It was a bit concerning that that was the case. And also, Nicole knew Shanann's favourite shoes to be wearing and they were just by the door as well, which again made her concerned. Uh, so Nicole calls Chris and requests he comes home and checks on Shanann. So the concerned friend Nicole then calls the police to, uh, as well and she wants a welfare check to happen. And Shanann's phone, keys and purse are found at the house. So this is where the very infamous body cam footage starts. The officer arriving at the scene where Nicole and her son are present. They're, they're walking around the house. Chris at this time claims he's on his way from yeah. work but still hasn't arrived. The suspicious thing immediately is that he doesn't authorise the, the officer just to break into the house, kick yeah. the door down and go in. 
then very calm and takes his time. I think it's about 10, 15 minutes before he even arrives at the scene. He walks from his car. He's not running. He's yeah. not sprinting. He's not shouting. He's, he's, as we said, he just seems very, very chilled about this whole scenario. Takes the time to shake the officer's hand, introduce himself. Then he opens the garage up, goes in. For a minute, he opens Shanann's car in the garage, mm. and does something there, but he's out of the sight of the, the body cam. He then goes into the house and like a minute and a half passes before he even lets them in. Yeah, and then once the police do enter the household, Chris is basically on his phone. He's not yeah. running around the house, he's not shouting, you know, he's not looking everywhere. He's just very kind of calmly walking around. He does point out some things, the police officer. He's just so it's, on his phone, yeah. it's, it's unreal. No sense of panic in him. No, the friends, you can see the friends are. And then he does go into, eventually go into the room and walks out with a wedding ring and produces it to the police officer as if like, oh, she's left me. The kids' blankies are gone. They don't go anywhere without it. Yeah, it's it's very... Well, obviously, we'll play some footage and, and some of the audio from there, but it's very peculiar. Chris was saying that she that apparently Shanann was going, meant to be going to a friend's house with the kids, and that's the last thing he heard from her. And he said, no, no, that's very vague, but that's, that's all she said. And one of the neighbours who saw the police there, obviously, was concerned, and he said, oh, I've got some security cameras in my house. Why don't we come around? I can see some footage to see if, if Shanann left the house. Yeah. But in fact, he actually has footage of Chris reversing the car out and doing three trips to the car as well. And Chris has stood there whilst they're watching this tape. He's just on his phone. He's pacing around. He's not really paying attention to anything. And then the officer says, I'm just going to talk to your neighbour. And Chris Chris leaves. And the neighbour then says, he's acting very strange. He's not like, he doesn't act like this. That neighbour is spot on, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And he, he's immediately like, he's acting weird. This is not normal. And that camera footage, it shows that Shanann didn't leave the house. Matter of fact, you just want to go talk to him. I'm going to get his info real quick. No. pm, Nicole Kessinger gets a text from Chris about his family being gone and asks her to call him. At 9.12pm, the police call Chris to follow up. Chris tells the officer that he had not cheated but that Shanann may be seeing someone else and also provides them with contact details of Shanann's friends. The following day on the 14th of August 2018, 4.38am, Shanann's mum contacts the police saying Chris is acting weird and she suspects foul play. The really eerie part of this, and and maybe this is because the the mother-in-law knew Chris quite well, Mm. she asks detectives to check the GPS on Chris's work truck which if that's not a horrible thought to have about your son-in-law. I guess they're quite isolated and he hears it with his work and they know he obviously spends so much time away from people, I guess it would cross your mind. So later that day, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation issues an endangered missing alert. So the neighbourhood, there's a candlelit visual, there's multiple police officers from different dates on the search for the girls. No news comes forward. Later that day, Chris makes a very infamous appearance on Denver 7 News. This is also very, very... There's so much famous footage from from this case itself, Mm. but this one is when Chris decides to give an interview to various members of the press. He basically uses this as an opportunity to plead for the return of his family and we'll, we'll play this for you now if she if she can watch these what would, you, what would you like to tell your wife and your kids shenan bella celeste if you're out there just, just just come back like if somebody has her just please bring her back i need to see everybody i need to see everybody again this house is not complete with without anybody here please bring her back 
Very bizarre interview. There's, he still seems so cold and detached from the situation. His body language, his arms are folded. Shanann's friends said this is when the moment when they started to suspect Chris because he was acting in such a shady way. A lot of their friends were parents as well, and they were saying if they had lost their, you know, the whole family, they would be in tears. They'd be begging for them to come back. But Chris has just stood there, arms folded. It looks as if he's overthinking everything he's saying. Yeah. He's thinking, what should I say to sound like a concerned father? Whilst doing that, it's too chilled out, and it, it, it's immediately upsetting. Obviously, I was, we've said numerous times before, people deal with grief and panic in different ways, but this does just seem very out of the ordinary. So 5pm, Nicole Kessinger searches, can cops trace text messages? So this is the point where I start going, what's going on here? Why is she now maybe she's just suspecting foul play on chris's part and she's she's the other woman so she doesn't want to be involved with this at all but you could look at it in a completely different way there so the 15th of august 2018 at 6am police attend the watts home to collect evidence they seize laptops and phones and whatnot and they find the relationship book that shenan had given chris was found in the bin a blue plastic glove is found on top of the fridge and a top sheet and pillowcase is found in the bin they also found things like shenan's wedding ring which chris showed earlier on a purse and medication and phone were all in the house the kids blankets were gone so that's immediately if the idea of shenan running off with another guy or whatever why would she leave all those things she needs it, it makes no sense whatsoever and this is when the fbi joins the search for shenan and her daughters so at 8am police receive a phone call from the anadarko regional manager at chris's work informing them that they may have uncovered evidence that chris had began a relationship with a co-worker around june of 2018 9:49am, nicole kessinger contacts detectives disclosing her relationship with chris watts 2pm, a drone operator locates bedsheets, plastic bags and disturbed ground at Servi County oil site. Chris is brought in by police and asked to take a polygraph test with investigating agent Tammy Lee. She initially comes across really friendly and on his side, but she is also firm in letting him know that this will prove if he knows anything about the disappearance of Shannon and the girls. It's a very, very interesting part of it. He has spoke to the police for long periods of times before this. He's not really revealing anything. He's still sticking to his story. And then Tammy Lee comes in. And like we always are quick to be, you know, point out the negatives of police if they if they let things slip. But she absolutely nails it. She's here. amazing. And she says things like she's she's on the side going, you know, you're talking to him very friendly you need a drink or whatever and then she says obviously if you had anything to do with this disappearance it would be really stupid of you to be here but she's saying it jokingly just kind of like you wouldn't do this test because i will find out she also lists off, off all the credentials and their experience and this is a stage where chris surprisingly never requested a lawyer at any of this stage mm -hmm. and if he did obviously they would have said not to take the, to take the test i think chris here is basically thinking what would an innocent person do yeah. he wouldn't want a lawyer because he's innocent they would do the the test because they're innocent. But he could have just said, I'm too emotional at this time. I don't feel comfortable doing it right now. They wouldn't have been able to force him to do it. You know, it's very uncomfortable because you know for a fact that Chris is going to reveal this stuff here, which, you know, it's no surprise he fails it. And then after that, he basically... <laughs> He wants to speak to his dad, who's he's, he's phoned all the way over there. His dad's been waiting for him for five hours outside of the place. He, he didn't leave and go anywhere. He wanted to stay where Chris was. At one stage, you know, when the police are trying to find out things, they did say, you know, did Shanann do anything to the girls? Yeah, they plant that seed. Yeah, which which they could have at that stage still thought maybe she did do something. And then basically then Chris then alludes to his dad that it was, you know, in fact, it was Shanann. She killed the girls after I said we should split up. I lost it with her and I just, yeah. you know, I just attacked her. 
and his dad is his best friend is his son and hearing this is you know he's just heard his granddaughters have been killed i can't imagine you know hearing that and then obviously what, what else would come out so at this stage chris has admitted this to his father his, his dad he when, he when he said mentions the word lawyer the police seem to come in just at that moment and you know they get they speak to chris and he admits this what he said to his dad and basically the police then arrest him and, and interview him there i think the police were very kind of wary of the lawyers being involved they wanted to kind of get this solved quickly as possible Whilst all of this is happening and whilst they are concluding their interviews with Chris and starting to kind of formalise the arrest process, they then make the decision and the way they word it with him is really powerful. They say, we need you to help get the girls home or get the girls in out of the cold. And they provide him with a map of the oil field site and they ask him to basically circle where, where the girls' bodies are in which he locates Shanann's body and he says that the girls are in here, pointing to the two oil containers. So police then respond to the Survey County oil site where Chris worked and report collecting the following evidence. Hair from an oil tank hatch, parts of a rake and a bed sheet. They then begin to excavate a possible burial site about 100 feet from the oil tank. At 11pm, police locate Shanann's body. So the following day at 3.30pm, the first oil tank is entered and Celeste's body is discovered and removed. At 5.30pm, the second oil tank is entered and Bella's body is discovered and removed. Nicole Kissinger tells police in an interview that she thinks the family's troubled finances were the biggest factor in Chris killing his wife and children. Later that day, Chris appears in Weld County District Court for a bond hearing. On the 21st of August 2018, Chris is charged with three counts of first-degree murder, plus two additional first-degree charges for victims being 12 or younger. He faces another count for the unlawful termination of a pregnancy, plus three counts of tampering with a body, a total of nine charges. So August 22nd, 2018, Nicole Kessinger is fired from her job. Which that's interesting, because if it's not come out, you know, I imagine it'd be bad press for them, but the fact that she was the other woman but there's no implication here that she's actually involved in any of the um, harm here. September 1st 2018 a funeral is held for Shanann and her daughters in North Carolina at the Sacred Heart Catholic Church. During a 90 minute ceremony which started with a singing of Amazing Grace Chris is never mentioned. Shanann's family describe her as an ambitious outgoing woman who always wanted to be a mother. The priest reads a statement from Shanann's father Frank Ruchek. You are nothing but pure love Always caring for everyone, you will always be daddy's little girl. On the 6th of November 2018, Chris appears in court and pleads guilty to all nine criminal accounts. Shanann's family perhaps surprisingly requests that the death penalty not be sought. They showed mercy there because it, it was a state where the death penalty could have been an option, but and you know the prosecutors did want to go for that route. They, the family didn't want that to happen. On the 19th of November 2018, Chris is sentenced to life imprisonment. The presiding judge calls the murder spree perhaps the most inhumane and vicious crime I have ever handled out of the thousands of cases that I've seen. He issues five life sentences without the possibility of parole, including 48 years for unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy and 36 years for disposing of the bodies of the family. December 3rd, 2018, Chris is transferred to Wisconsin Correctional Facility due to safety concerns. So there's lots of footage of them first booking him into the, the very first prison that he went into, and it's a big open facility. You could see that everyone was put away for the purposes of getting him in, but you just thought he is immediately going to have the biggest, and rightfully so, the biggest targets painted on his back. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah, he's moved to a uh, more secure, isolated facility due to safety concerns. On the 18th of February 2019, in a five-hour interview from prison, Chris finally confesses to killing his daughters in a detailed explanation. He states, This was like the epitome of being angry. 
the epitome of showing a rage, the epitome of losing your mind. Even admitting that older daughter Bella asked if he was going to do the same thing he did to her sister and that the four-year-old tried to fight back. Chris still offers little to no explanation as to why he killed his family. That interview as well is, is fully available on YouTube. It's, it is a fascinating listen. It's hard to listen to at times. With the same um, detectives that initially arrested him as well, initially interrogated him. But it's, yeah, there's still not a lot of answers in that in that conversation. Basically, like he feels like he's talking to old friends when he's yeah. talking to him. It's, it's very disconcerting. And now we're going to throw over to our resident doctor, Dr. Das, for his forensic input. Hello, everybody. My name is Dr. Shaham Das. I'm a consultant forensic psychiatrist, and this is my personal psychoanalysis of the case of Chris Watts. Anybody from the outside would say that Chris Watts is very cold and very calculated, and he has this biblical lack of remorse about what he did to his wife and to his children. So where's that come from? Well, there's a theory that he's a psychopath, and I've seen some YouTube videos and other research on the internet which suggests this. I personally disagree with this and I'll explain why. So a psychopath has these features. They tend to not care about the difference between right and wrong. They tend to not learn from their mistakes. They don't care about the, the rights and the feelings of other people. They're impulsive and they're aggressive. I think you could argue that Chris, Chris Watts is many of those things, but Psychopaths have this lifelong pattern, whereas what Chris Watts did, even though it's very disturbing and very horrific, it was all done within a very short period of time. He doesn't have a lifelong pattern of habitual aggression, hostility, impulsiveness. He's not a lifelong criminal. He's not a criminogenic person who makes a living from crime, for example. But more importantly than that, psychopaths tend to be quite conning. They tend to be quite manipulative and they tend to be deceitful and charming. Now, Chris Watts was deceitful to a degree, obviously, because he had an affair. So you could argue that everybody that does that for a particular period of time is deceitful. But I don't think he was particularly charming. He didn't really manage to convince the police officers that he was innocent for any prolonged period of time. I would argue the opposite. I think, in fact, he was actually quite passive and that his wife, the eventual victim, dominated him and he couldn't really stand up for himself. So I'll expand on that. So from 2010 to 2015, He's married, he's got two children and a third one on the way. So I think that his life was moving really, really quickly. And at some point, Chris Watts was unhappy with where it was going. But instead of kind of expressing this or trying to stop it or, you know, standing up for, for what he wanted, I think he just went along with it. And instead, he had this fantasy life that he was living in his head with the woman that he was having an affair with. And I think so he had this fantasy life where he was he was living his future with her and in his head and over time it started growing and he had his reality, which is his real life, with his wife who he'd fallen out of love with and his children who, well, it's hard to say whether he loved them to any degree or not. And over time it became more warped. So over time his fantasy grew bigger and took up more cognitive space in his head and he tried to ignore his reality. But there came a tipping point where the both of them couldn't exist at the same time because of his cowardice and his inability to actually address his reality and you know divorce his wife and, and go through the process of losing that family legitimately in his warped mind he just wanted to wipe it out so he just wanted to get rid of obliterate his reality bam in one go in one day and then he was free to live his fantasy life so that wouldn't be the normal actions of a psychopath a psychopath would manipulate people his wife his children 
his friends, his family, to get what he wants. So he doesn't have that ability, so instead he just wipes them out. The other thing that really strikes me about the Chris Watts case was the way that he was found guilty or the way that he was pressurised into giving a confession. The polygraph test indicated that he was lying and the person who administered the test convinced him that he had to tell the truth. I think it was really clever the way that this, this happened and the way that it worked. But in reality, the polygraphs are not actually that reliable. They can tell when somebody is agitated or when somebody's physiological responses are going off the charts. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're lying because if you're being questioned on a murder charge, especially the murder of your wife and kids, then the average person would be quite agitated and quite nervous anyway. So it's really hard to know with any degree of certainty whether somebody's lying or just nervous. And that's the reason that polygraph tests are not used as formal evidence in court. But the person that administered the test, I think, managed to, to convince Chris Watts that that is what would happen and therefore he confessed to the case. So I hope that was interesting for you. Hope you got a bit of an insight into Chris Watts' psychological makeup. If you're interested in this kind of area, then you have to go and check out my YouTube channel, A Psych for Sore Minds. I talk about a whole range of issues related to criminality and to mental illness and the crossover, like my own personal psychoanalysis of high-profile cases like this one. Anyway, that's enough for me. Let's get back to this case. Back to you, Tom and Ben. Thank you very much, Dr. Das. And if you haven't already, why not consider subscribing to his channel, A Psych for Sore Minds? Click that button. It's in the description below. But yeah, that is the timeline. We're going to now move on to the aftermath of the Chris Watts, the American Nightmare case. So once the story broke, you know, the news was everywhere. It spread like wildfire. A lot of people came forward to kind of say that they knew Chris, whether they did or not. That could be debated. There are lots of people came forward to say that they had some form of relationship with him. So I'm just going to go through a few of them now. Aubrey Shepard makes claims on Facebook of having met Chris and Shanann on a swingers website. Again, as I said, some of the this is a lot of just there. They're alleging this has happened. Chris denies every single one of these. Another person that came forward was a man named Trent Bolt, who told investigators that he'd reportedly been in a 10-month relationship with Chris, which ended in the spring of 2018, a few months prior to the murder. And uh, Bolt's mother claimed that Watts had given her son money while they were together and even paid for Bolt to get lip injections. Again, Chris completely denies this happening. Another lady came forward to allege the fact that they had a sexual experience together and that whilst they were having sex, he strangled her a bit. Again, he denies any of anyone doing in that. It's one of those where I kind of think, why would he... No one's going to think any worse of Chris if he did any of these things. He's done literally the worst thing you could possibly do. So it's kind of like, you can't think of any worse for him. As we mentioned throughout this whole this whole case, Nicole Kessinger's Google history is something that's very interesting. Yeah. A lot of people, as we said, she's very divisive. People think she knew that Chris was going to do this or some people even alleged she was involved in it happening. But she actually Googles Amber Frey and her book deal and net worth multiple times. So Amber Frey was a mistress to a man called Scott Peterson, a man for convicted for murder and his wife, Lacey. So he was it, also pregnant. Yes. So it basically was, she wanted to see, you know, what's her net worth now? What, yeah. Can I make money from the situation? I think she also Googled, do people hate Amber Frey? <laughs> this is, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a very disturbing thing for her to be looking at at this stage. And with Nicole, she, she went into witness protection and you know, some people have touted her as being the most hated woman in America. As we said, there's lots of different theories uh, speculating her involvement in this case. Obviously, it's all alleged. It's not been proven as of yet, but it is a very interesting element to the case. 
Another very, very interesting conspiracy about the case itself is that the family on, on Watts' side, so his older sister and potentially even his parents, were also in on it. So Watts, in letters from prison to a female pen pal, revealed that he had confessed to drugging his wife Shanann with the potent painkiller oxycodone weeks before he killed her. So oxycodone is a, a controlled drug. It's prescription only, a very, very powerful, potent painkiller. A lot of people believe, due to the fact that particular drug is very hard to obtain. His older sister, Jamie Lynn, actually worked in a hospital where she would regularly handle that particular drug. A lot of people believe that she slipped Chris that drug. He then tried to give it to Shanann in the hope of causing a miscarriage. He felt that it would be easier to be with Nicole if Shanann wasn't pregnant. There's a whole Reddit thread about this. Um, and a lot of people believe that the family were also in on trying to free Chris up from this particular relationship. Yeah, there was a few other conspiracy theories thinking how involved Nicole was. One was based around the Freemasons and Nicole's father looking to destroy a rival company by getting Nicole to basically infiltrate Chris and then make this thing happen to then put a bad word on, on the company that he worked for. It's very elaborate. End of conspiracy is none of this ever happened. Always one of those very yeah. odd the conspiracies and when people just state this didn't happen when there's clear evidence that it did. A lot of the conspiracies basically based around Nicole and because there's a lot of kind of reports about another car being outside the house that was always when people fall back on there's another car around the area and you can see from the cameras and you see people leaving and entering the house so it's, yeah it's, it's very peculiar that there was a chris watts when he's been locked up he said that apparently he believes that his murdered daughter visited him and danced for him in prison and that he had a phone conversation with his dead wife but he won't submit himself to psychiatric testing and doesn't believe he is mentally ill i do want to say this is from the mail online okay. so take from that what you will but he basically goes on to say that um, Celeste was dancing in his cell and, you know, his pregnant wife spoke to him on the phone. He does have on his walls in the prison cell, he has all the pictures of the girls still on the wall, but he doesn't have any pictures of Shanann on the wall. He's not allowed any TV or reading material. And once day he's allowed to go to the common room where he's alone. As Ben said, there's a big kind of target on his back. His score on the polygraph test was apparently if you get a minus four, it's considered your line. He got a minus 18. Mm. During all this time that he was obviously having the affair with Nicole, trying to keep this secret from his, his wife, who was very obviously smartphone savvy, social media savvy, he actually used an app called The Secret Calculator, which basically looks like a normal calculator on your phone. But once you enter a, a certain code into the calculator, it becomes a storage device for photos, for videos, for messages. And he, yeah, he basically had this whole separate life within an app called The Secret Calculator quite crafty. Chris was gained a pen pal when he was away and he was writing to this woman basically telling what he'd done. So he speaks about how the fact he did try to smile for the girls once they were in the house but he wasn't successful when he wasn't successful he saw the trauma in their faces and apparently the girls were just running around the house and watching him with scared looks in their faces and you know they, he's killed their mother. The girls were whimpering and he was saying how perhaps this was God telling them you know give them another chance to let them, let them live but he then goes on to do the unthinkable once again. That's the big argument about this case. Why, why not just file for divorce, see the children when you can and start a new life. I know that he's claiming that's what Shanann said, you'll never see these girls again. Mm. And that's what sparked that, that inner rage. But that's the big question. Why? Why take such massive... And it also looked like it was premeditated as well. Like he'd planned and planned and some of the letters coming out from prison afterwards say that he had planned on this and that was going to be the day he knew it was the last time he tucked them into bed. Why not just not be a coward, not be a mm. monster, file for divorce, take the... That's the biggest question in all this. I don't understand why not file for divorce. The idea of, oh, another, another baby's being thrown into this, I can't leave them. But you can kill them all. 
Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Another theory is the fact that apparently some people believe that he gave up the information very easily after polygraph and they think he was just protecting Nicole. But I mean, she washed his hands on him after all yeah. this. Two people that didn't wash their hands of him were his parents and actually throughout the courtroom footage, which is also available, the only time Chris becomes visibly upset is when his mum makes a statement. That's mm-hmm. the only time he shows any real emotion. His foot's tapping the whole time. He's visibly upset when his, uh, when his mother is speaking. But in November of 2018, his parents gave an interview to ABC defending their son. Chris's mother, Cindy, said of her son's marriage to Shanann, it was a very hard relationship as far as I'm concerned. Chris couldn't do anything right. And as I said earlier in the in the episode, a lot of documentaries put a particularly cold spin on Shanann and the way that she yeah. was and the way that she behaved and she was very overbearing. There's a lot of people. I mean, Chris receives love letters. He's got fans. Yeah, he's, it seems that he's had some uh, visits from someone a lot during his time there and the intimate visits as well. So yeah, people are very much drawn to him still. And even some people saying even when they knew he was guilty, they still felt that they need to get in contact with him. It's very, very odd there. We talked about Chris's dad, Ronnie Watts, and their relationship and how they were best friends. And that particularly famous moment in uh, in the confession, he opens up to his dad. Of that particular moment, Ronnie said, it's hard for me to believe that he would hurt them girls no matter what. The story he told me that night, I believed it. The way he looked at me, the way he was crying, I believed it. Of course, that was revealed later to be completely untrue, and he revamped that. But and he wanted to believe it, didn't he? Yeah, as well, like absolutely. You, you want to believe your son saying the truth in such a horrible, horrible time. But yes, I think Ben, if there is any light relief, it is time for some light relief. Do you have any lookalikes for this case? I have got one lookalike because I struggled very much uh, for a Chris Watts look. My Chris Watts lookalike is shit. Okay. And I openly admit it's shit. Well, I'm quite happy with my lookalike, but it is quite a niche one. My lookalike is for the very attentive neighbour who knew from the off that Watts was not acting right at all. Okay. So this is his neighbour, Nate Trinastich, and I think he looks just like Tyson Fury. I was pretty happy with that, but that's not gone down very well. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Spot on, Dan. That particular picture, that particular angle, slightly. Cheers, Dan. All right, cheers. So this is this is a very particular picture as well. It's Chris Watts. I think he looks a little bit like Matt Hoffman. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it is terrible. I've been looking at that horrible fucking face all day, thinking, who does he look like? And um, I think, yeah, I thought I'll stick true to look like he stick with the yeah with the case. Fair enough. So even though that was shit, it wins. Interesting take. Well, it does. Interesting take. Yeah. Unless you start doing jury members next time. Depends what case. Yeah. And if they look like Tyson Fury or not. Well, that's one certainly um, didn't. <laughs> so, here's one um, for you as well. You like death houses, murder houses. I don't like well, them. You're, you're intrigued by them. Yeah, I have an. In, yeah, it, it yeah. intrigues me slightly. Well, the Watts family house, since Watts' arrest, the Frederick, Colorado house, which was purchased in 2013, has remained vacant. Chris had to default on the mortgage. He's also been ordered to pay more than $6 million in damage to Shanann's family. The house was put up for auction but no one came forward to buy it, so it's still completely vacant. The reason for that damage is, it basically was in order for him not to profit from anything from this. If any money he made from anywhere revealing the crimes, that money would go directly to the family, not to him. 
So that's just the kind of judge's clever way of kind of tweaking that so that didn't happen. And that is the case of Chris Watts, The American Nightmare. Yeah, that was bleak. That was very, very bleak. As we said, there's, there's so many podcasts, documentaries, stuff out there. Definitely worth listening for doing this research. Listen to the Chris Watts tapes. I think it's 12 part series lots of audio which isn't the best quality audio because it is from body cams and stuff but it is a very interesting and very thorough uh, podcast as well highly recommend it the documentaries i find online i think oh, shit yeah jim can't <laughs> swim holds the crown as always is he's, he's one of the best uh or they are one of the best uh creators out there so the chris watts free part of there is really really interesting but yeah we know we hope you enjoyed it if you just can't wait until next week's episode which is another biggie it's another seven days we about to say i was like yeah ben it's another seven days as well yeah but it is a biggie if you can't wait until then we have got a patreon page where we've got almost 60 other little episodes sat up there waiting for your viewing and listening pleasure and that can be obtained from just one pound a week so why not go over to patreon.com forward slash could murder a pod the could murder a pod thing is a theme that we keep we also have instagram at could murder a pod twitter at could murder a pod facebook just search i could murder a podcast we will we will appear somewhere on there and the facebook community over there tom it's it's popping off let me just look at the laptop now <laughs> narrowing away they all just get on and they chat so people listening on this i just opened the laptop a bit and it made the made the noise yeah the facebook community just search i can murder a pod and it's over there and yeah people just chatting away and it's, it's it's lovely to see one thing to point out though um this is a big bit of news we've kind of we're going to do a little rebrand on YouTube for the channel name, Michael Murder, a podcast to ICMAP. It's not because we think we're edgy and we're cool. It's more because we believe YouTube doesn't like the word murder. Yeah. So we, for SEO reasons, uh, very geeky, uh, we're going to change it to ICMAP because we think it might benefit the reach of the channel. Yeah, yeah. So don't and panic. We're not, we're, not going, we're not going anywhere. We're just ICMAP. Yeah, just the initials of the podcast. Speaking about helping the reach of the channel, if you do like what you've heard, please consider telling a friend or a family member or a loved one about this. Or just uh, a neighbour. Yeah, yeah. Just be busy and just tell a neighbour. And don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes or on Spotify. It's very easy to do and it would really help us. I would really appreciate that. A big thank you to Gully Garns for dressing us. A big thank you to Dead Happy for sponsoring today's episode. And a big thank you to Dr. Das for his input once again. If you're an audio listener, we are also a visual platform, so all of these episodes are available over on our YouTube page. And if you're a viewer and you're out on the go and you've not got time to watch and view, pop us in your ears. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, I think is another one. Uh, there's a bunch of... Depends where you get your ear stuff, but we're on all of them. How do you make think everything sound horrible? Mm. Pop us in your ear where you get your ear stuff. But anyway, um, until next time, guys, like we always say... We say this all of the time. Keep doing what you're doing unless uh spend a lot of time at the sand dunes well, so you can spend time at sand dunes just uh, car museums and uh, Come again. Secret, secret calculator yes all right yeah cool cheers guys until next time two pip invite him out sorry invite him out round for a pizza do you like uh pizza a pizza your ass my ass I love it. Stuff crust? He loves the stuff crust. He's nodding. It's a guys. Well. You have been listening to I Could Murder a Podcast. Written and presented by Tom Norris and Ben Carter. Produced and mixed by Dan Lambert at Boston Sound. Additional research and timelines written by Danielle St. Romain. Artwork and animation by Phil Wooten. And theme song by Alfie Indra. If you've enjoyed this episode... 
please remember to subscribe on YouTube and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search at Pod. For additional and exclusive content, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Pod. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.